1: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter, at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And, of course, you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Maggie Loney and Mr. Andrew Mertig. Guys, it's a Friday show, so it's good to be back with all of you. How are you guys doing? Yeah, it's good. I prefer Andrew of Earth Uh. now, (laughs) if you would,
2: Kyle. Uh. And in addition, you know, it's it's a great day. I'm uh, relaxing in the best way that I know (laughs) how by drinking an ice-cold Coors Light, Uh, and I'm searching for some job candidates on Indeed. Mm. and okay well I won't mention any of the other sponsors but you know it's it's a great day (laughs) it's a great day how are you doing Maggie
3: I mean this week basically just taught me that I'm not allowed to go to Brewers games because they always lose when I'm there but other than that I mean my record's really good at Lambeau so I'm just banking on football starting soon
1: I will not mention my cardinal fandom here on this podcast (laughs) which I just did so I'm in trouble but um guys We're back for another episode. This is our third show in a new series that we're focusing on. We're talking about not what our Packers did this offseason, but what their rivals did. And the Packers do play six games against divisional rivals every single year. And so we thought it would be worth our time to put these three NFC North teams under the microscope a little bit and talk about their free agent additions, the subtractions, their draft picks, and then discuss whether or not those rivals of the Pack Got better or worse during the offseason. We started this process two weeks ago uh, with an in-depth look at the Vikings, and then last week was all about the Bears. So uh, if you missed those sh- shows, you can go back and catch up and uh, watch watch those. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can watch them, but you can listen to them, get caught up. We're back for one more deep dive into another divisional rival, and we're talking about the Detroit Lions on the show.
2: Yeah, so we're dedicating this week to the third division arrival of the Green Bay Packers. And the Lions are coming off of a three thirteen and one season. And that actually surprised me a little bit because I remember the team being really competitive. I think they performed better than most people assumed they would, especially given the, the talent drop-off and some of the injury problems that they had last year. Um, and so, you know, the Lions, certainly there's, there's some optim- optimism surrounding them. And unlike the other two divisional teams that we talked about with the Vikings and the Bears, there weren't a lot of front office and coaching changes that happened. The one big one for Detroit was Anthony Lynn is gone as the offensive coordinator. He's replaced by Ben Johnson, who actually was Detroit's tight end coach for the last three years. So those those are the major personnel changes uh, or coaching personnel changes. And uh, Kyle, you're going to talk a little bit about some of those player changes.
1: Maggie is. Jump right into free agency. Let's (laughs) let Maggie talk.
2: (laughs) Maggie is going to talk about it, which I definitely knew before this moment.
3: Yeah, so let's talk about the Lions and who they lost in free agency with their team subtractions. Um, These are the players that either signed elsewhere during the offseason or they remain unsigned at the time of this recording, but they aren't back on the Lions roster. So, most notably, I think, is Edge Trey Flowers, who was released to save $10 million in cap space. He was injured this past season, though. He only played in seven games. Um, linebacker Jalen reeves uh defensive tackle Nick Williams, safety Dean Marlowe, and then wide receiver Kaderil Hodge are probably their most notable releases, um, or I guess free agents that have departed Clearly, uh, the bulk of their losses during the offseason came on the defensive side of the ball. Flowers and Williams were really the only true starters for them as far as the depth chart is concerned. But this list does include a few depth pieces who played a, a decent amount of snaps. You know, uh, Jalen Reeves-Maben had played 82 or he had 82 tackles, played 62 percent of defensive snaps for them, 11 starts in 15 games. Um, Dean Marlowe, the safety, played 700 defensive snaps, 65 percent for the defense. So, um, you know, Kaderil Hodge is not necessarily the biggest loss here. Um, But, you know, as I think we'll we'll get to later in the show, no loss was significant enough for the Lions right now that they weren't able to find an equal or better replacement either in free agency with the acquisitions they made or through the draft.
2: Yeah, I think teams that are in this particular stage of the rebuild with Salary cap space typically don't lose players that they deem as important parts of the team, right? I think maybe the one exception you alluded to this is, is Jalen reeves maybin I think it's at least an interesting loss because of the depth that they have at, at their linebacker position, um, which I'll touch on a little bit later. Um, but I get to talk about the additions and there weren't a lot of these um but they did bring in wide receiver dj Chark for a one-year 10 million dollar deal they also brought in cornerback mike hughes linebacker jared davis returns to the lions and then they also had uh safety deshaun elliott so you know chark is the obvious name here but is he just a name like he got he got exactly the tyro williams deal which is funny. I don't know why this is so ingrained in my head, but the one year, $10 million deal will always be the Tyrell Williams deal to me. Uh-huh. Um, and if you didn't know, he was a former Chargers and then I think Raiders wide receiver um, who then went on to sign for the Lions one year, 10000000 million. Didn't do a whole lot. Well, in Detroit and and Chark has always kind of been that boomer bust type player and the Lions are just going to bank on him actually staying healthy for a year and then being the dynamic deep threat that everybody kind of thought he was going to be coming out of LSU and then, you know, sort of flashes in the first few seasons as a Jacksonville Jaguar. Still, though, I'd rather have Sammy Watkins on a vet minimum deal than Chark at 10 million like that. That seems like an overpay. But hey, if you have the cap room and you want to go take a risk. Maybe not a bad one to do. Mike Hughes continues to try to find a landing spot. Jared Davis returns. And then Deshaun Elliott, to me, is probably the second most interesting name here because I think he really could be a legitimate option opposite of safety Tracy Walker. And not a lot of people around the league know Tracy Walker, who's actually a pretty solid safety. And I think Deshaun Elliott has shown that early in his career as well um, and could be
1: a, a nice bargain pickup for Detroit. All right, so I get to jump into some of the players that the Lions didn't let walk out the door. These are some of the guys that they retained, kept in the building, uh, starting with fullback Jason Cabinda. Is that right? You guys say Cabinda? Yep. Yeah. yeah. All right, wide receiver Josh Reynolds. He, of course, has the connection with Goff from L.A., and uh, they felt like that was valuable to bring him back there to Detroit quarterback Tim Boyle, the legend, former uh, Green Bay Packer quarterback, linebacker Alex Anzalone, came over from uh, the Saints with Dan Campbell. Uh, they continue to believe he's an important leader for this team. Um, his PFF grade does not necessarily reflect <laughs> his impact on the team, is to the same degree. But uh, linebacker Sean Dion Hamilton also brought back. Safety Tracy Walker, who Andrew just mentioned. Edge Charles Harris and wide receiver Khalif Raymond all brought back. And obviously there's a lot of depth here that they've retained. Most notable for me is Charles Harris, who's really getting a second chance at his career here with the Lions after an underwhelming start with the Dolphins. Uh, 2021 was his best season since his rookie year in 2017 and he's been kind of an impactful player as a pass rusher that's kind of his his deal right now he played over 800 snaps for them last season so they're obviously bringing him back hoping he continue on that path and be that kind of an impact player for them consistently and that's kind of the big deal is consistently.
3: Yeah, looking at the additions and the re-signings, I think the Chark addition is one of the most interesting pieces to me. I agree with Andrew that it was, you know, absolutely a steep price for a one-year rental. But, I mean, Amon ra flashed in his rookie debut. The Lions invested a first-round pick at a wide receiver, you know, which we'll talk about in just a couple minutes. Um, So... 10 million, pretty steep if you're thinking about a one-year deal, but given what they have in the room and it being so much unproven talent right now, it it kind of makes sense in some way. Um, I also liked the Mike Hughes pickup. I thought it was, you know, a decent move for them. Um, he's dealt with injuries during his time with the Vikings, but he was available for all 17 games for the Chiefs last season. Um, and he even returned his lone interception for a touchdown, which is, you know, a big step for him, I guess, as far as his, him breaking back into, you know, that former first round pedigree that he had. So he's kind of an intriguing option outside of, or on the boundary opposite a Jeff Akuda. And, you know, maybe he'll rejuvenate his career in the Dan Campbell defense.
1: It's so funny to look back, right? Cause Mike Hughes and Jair Alexander were kind of in that same tier in that draft if i remember right and a lot of people were arguing which one was going to go first and obviously just to watch those careers pan out and the way things could have gone and it's just just so interesting so speaking of the draft we are going to jump into what the lions did in this draft and it's a fun one they made some uh, really interesting decisions moved around a little bit they made eight selections total and made some moves with aggression like i said to go get their guys so at uh, pick number two in the first round, they took Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end, out of Michigan. And then Jamison Williams at number 12 after the big trade-up with the Minnesota Vikings, right? Of course, we've got uh, Josh Pascal at 46 overall in the second round, the defensive end from Kentucky. Kirby Joseph from Illinois, the defensive back. James Mitchell, the tight end from Virginia Tech. Malcolm Rodriguez, linebacker, Oklahoma State. These are all household names. James Houston, the linebacker from Jackson State. And Chase Lucas, the DB from Arizona State.
2: Yeah, and I've said it multiple times. The Vikings got absolutely fleeced when the Lions moved up from 32. So you come away from the draft with edge one. And the guy who a lot of people said was going to be wide receiver one if he was healthy. I think that's absolutely a great draft, and you can just stop there and, uh, you know, appreciate what you've gotten. And then you move down, and I think Josh Josh Pascal is someone who could be a good edge rusher in the future. To me, that pick was a little redundant, given what the team already has at the position. But, you know, you can never have enough good edge rushers. So if if that's somebody you're really high on going with that in the second round, um, seems like a good idea. And the rest of the draft, kind of meh. I I think, you know, James Mitchell is a decently high upside tight end kind of guy. Malcolm Rodriguez looks like somebody who could be a really good special teams player and maybe develop into something. But if they get one to two solid contributors and get a healthy Jameson Williams, this class should be a massive step forward in Detroit's rebuild.
1: Yeah, I just have to wonder if the Lions thought that Jameson Williams was in the cards at all, that he was a realistic possibility for them when this draft began. Of course, they know they're picking it, too. They know they're not taking Jameson Williams there. I just think any team, right, has—they've got to be psyched about the opportunity to add a player of his caliber, but you would think the opportunity cost they would have just assumed would have been too great to get up for a player like that. But like Andrew said, Minnesota really made it possible. And so between Jameson Williams, Aiden Hutchinson, man, the Lions could have added— Cornerstone pieces here in this draft, and if I were a Lions fan, I'd be pretty excited about it.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Yeah, I really liked Josh Pascal for the Packers. So that selection stung, you know, just a little bit. But I agree um, with just about everything you guys said, really. We talked about it on draft night on this very show. Uh, The Lions hit their first round out of the park. And for a division that's largely wide open, you know, arguably behind the Packers, these are the types of players that bolster your roster enough to contend for even like a wild card spot. So the rest of the depth, the depth in the class, you know, it is what it is. You kind of figure that out, especially considering You know, that the Lions are working with the bulk of their picks on late day three um, outside of um, Hutchinson and Williams. Uh, But if they become, you know, cornerstone franchise players that Detroit hopes that they can be, the rest of the draft doesn't really matter anyway at that point. So that brings us right to the question that we always ask at the very end of this show. Did the Lions get better or worse?
2: Yeah, I get to go first. I, I like what the Lions did this offseason. Their their losses are largely superficial, and they added some value at positions of need. Their draft should make them better right now and in the future. But it is the internal development of the players that were already on the team that I'm really looking at for the Lions. So, you know, I, I just wanted to take a... a Quick peek at the roster overall. And you look at the weapons on offense. You have Jared Goff, who we know can be a solid to above average, maybe even a good NFL starting quarterback if he's surrounded with the right talent. DeAndre Swift at running back, you have to like. Um, and of course, you know, Jamal Williams backing him up. Did the the Lions drafted a running back last year too, didn't they? Uh, late, right? The, okay. Uh, well, I'm whatever. Late. Don't listen to me. uh then, <laughs> But then you look at their wide receiver room, right? Like so, Amon Ross, St. Brown, D.J. Chark, jameson Williams, T.J. Hawkinson at tight end. Those weapons start to look pretty darn good. And then you you look across their offensive line. You have Penny Sewell at left tackle. You have Taylor Decker, wait, are they flipped? I don't know. Anyways, you have Sewell and Decker at tackle, and then you have Ragnow at center. And if Ragnow comes back healthy, mm-hmm. man, that's a pretty good like center tackle combo. You have Jonah Jackson, who's looked like a pretty solid guard, and then you know, right guard's a little wishy-washy. They have big V there. Um, who knows who will land in that spot, but you know, four out of five is pretty good for a team in the rebuild right there. And then you flip over to defense, right? You have Aiden Hutchinson, or you're going to expect really big things out of Michael Brockers in the middle. Lee McNeil is a guy that I really liked in the draft last year. Um, and then you have the Aquara brothers at edge. Um you know, Romeo and Julian, I think. um and 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 those two can provide really good pressure. they've They've shown a lot of potential there. You have Levi onward Zike, um somebody I really liked in the draft, who's who's gonna be a really good interior defensive uh, presence for for the Lions as well. So they have depth there. Uh, and and that's not even mentioning Josh Pascal as well, uh, throwing that in there. The linebackers, I'm like very much not in love with. Uh, You have Derek Barnes, who I still think is more of an edge rusher than a linebacker. Alex Ancelone, who was not good uh, last year. And then they're bringing back Jared Davis. So, like, there's a glaring weakness. But then the secondary, you know, uh, Amani Arouarieh. Uh, who had a really nice season last year. Jeff Okuda, uh Maggie mentioned Mike Hughes as well. And then Tracy Walker and Deshaun Elliott, who I think can be a, a perfectly fine safety duo. So, you know, at, at every level, the Lions seem to have some pretty good young talent. Linebacker may be the exception, but for a team that hit a hard reset last offseason, I think this is a, a really quick turnaround, and they do have the potential to be a lot better this year. Does that mean they're going to make playoffs? Eh, probably not. But it is a good roster, and I, I could see them fighting with the Vikings for a second in the division, and then like maybe even being a borderline wild card um, contender if everything kind of falls right for them.
1: All right. So while you were talking, my our producer pulled up uh, the Lions draft from last year, of course, and so Jamar Jefferson was the so they did get yeah. a running back seventh round. Uh, yeah. Is that o- Oklahoma State? Am I remembering yes correctly? Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma yeah. State, Jamar Jefferson there. So I uh, just want to make sure we get all the facts to our listeners. Um, but I really do like the approach that the Lions have taken in this process of what is a rebuild, right? I think the defense still has a good way to go, but the offense, man, has the pieces here. I really think that they successfully built an offense that's ready to potentially drop in that quarterback next year and find some quick success. Now, that said... Jared Goff produced some decent numbers for the Rams a few years back, right? So the only problem could be, as Andrew said, you know, we might be flirting with, I I hate to say a playoff contender, but it could happen, right? And if they do that, then they might push themselves out of range for that top quarterback that it kind of feels like maybe they want to acquire maybe as early as next offseason. But I like the way they've built this team. I think Detroit as an organization has – And fandom, right, has been filled with this false hope for maybe a couple of decades, honestly, um, every year, just kind of convincing themselves that this is the year, this is the year uh, that they'd get over that hump. I don't think that they've quite arrived yet to declare, like, we're, we're this team now, but I do think they got a lot better. I think their process is good, and I think they really have a chance to change the culture in Detroit over the next two to three years, and we might see the Lions in a place where they can contend for this division, maybe sooner than we even think.
3: Yeah, and my spoiler for last week's show, I said that I thought the Lions improved. And, you know, it's hard to look at the additions that Detroit made and not see a lot of promise at this team's core. You know, Andrew broke it down really well and went position by position where there's a lot of young talent there. And you could argue that there are certain areas of the team that you know, could improve slightly a linebacker being a good example of where this team might need some help. But as far as like a core nucleus, that'll be together with this franchise for a long time, Lions fans should be pretty excited about the direction this team is heading. And, you know, I say that, and I suppose this is where we tell you that sometimes we all like we've thought this before and then, you know, it hasn't worked out. So take it with a grain of salt. But I feel better about this Lions roster than I have in a while. And, you know, we were talking about this pre-show, but I thought it was really timely that Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus, whatever you think of Pro Football Focus, that's neither here nor there. Um, they were talking on Twitter today about who can be kind of a surprise franchise like the Bengals were in 2021 that just, you know, you know put some people on notice. And the answer was, maybe no one but the lions um were his prediction to have about nine wins which you know if we're talking about maybe contending for a wild card spot nine wins could potentially get you there might not be enough nine and eight is eh, but you know people are pretty high on this lions roster and what they'll be able to do in the next couple of years
1: i think that's a really interesting point and we talked about like you know that that bangles team that made a huge turnaround and that was the thing when the Bengals took joe burrow was that this has been an organization that has just never been good, no matter what they've done. It felt like a culture thing. And the Lions have always felt like a culture thing. As someone who's grown up in Michigan, lives in Michigan now, it just feels like they don't make good decisions. And it kind of feels like maybe that has stopped and that they've made some really good choices. So you kind of wonder, you know, the Bengals were able to do it. It took someone like Joe Burrow coming in and kind of taking the reins, I think. Um but you kind of wonder if maybe that's the direction here for the Lions, and that's the hope that, like, okay, uh, an organization that's got it wrong for so long, maybe they're kind of on the doorstep of finally getting it right. Yeah, and, I mean, I think throwing out those Bengals comparisons is a little bit unfair because
2: teams just typically do not do that, right? right. We don't see yeah, teams yeah, right no, from, it's... like, the bottom of the league yeah, um, and then turning around and, and being in the Super Bowl the next year. Um, but for the Lions, I think, you know perceptions are one thing, but I, I think it, it would be a success for them to jump up to a six or seven win team. And I think that's attainable. Um, whether, you know, they're going to have enough games that are going to be really competitive that getting to nine will require a little bit of luck and, and, you know, maybe a little bit of, of growth and development from some of the young players that, that we don't know if they will have, but I, I think that's attainable, right? I, I, would not be incredibly shocked, like I said, to see the Lions finish second in the NFC North, and and who knows where that falls. Just to add to to what you were saying, Kyle, from a quarterback standpoint, yes, the Lions could play themselves out of one of those top notch quarterbacks, but they also will have the Rams' first round pick again this year mm. because of the Matthew Stafford trade. So I'm not yeah, yeah. anticipating that that's going to be a really high pick, but um, you know anything can happen. That the Rams play in a competitive division. And of course we know injuries can wreak havoc on teams. And so, you know, maybe they would have another asset to help move them up the board as well. Yeah. So, and anything else we want to touch on the Devante Adams presser or anything else that, uh, might've happened in Packerland today?
3: I don't think that there's anything new. I think the Devante thing has been rehashed so many times. And at the end of the day, you know, Roger said he was helping his friend out, you know, like, If Devontae didn't want to stay, what good is it to have a disgruntled wide receiver Mm -hmm. making bank in Green Bay if he doesn't want to be there after Rogers leaves? So would it have been fun for one more year? Yeah. Do you probably have a better shot at winning a Super Bowl if Devontae Adams is on your roster? Yeah, but I, I like the Packers draft and I think that they're going to be a very successful team without him.
2: Mm-hmm. But if Devontae Adams is back, Devondre Campbell's not back, and Russell right. Douglas is back, and yeah. um, who you know that that may have had an impact on other movers too. And so, yeah, I mean, good for Devontae. I'm I'm happy for him, especially you know there's some personal stuff underneath all of this as well, mm-hmm. right? Wanting to be a little bit closer to home, so um, some of the family things that that you know he may be going through and wanting people to to be able to watch his games in person and stuff. That's 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 understandable as a human being. So. Did you have something to add, Kyle? I didn't, but I can, if you really... <laughs> no, no, that's fine. That's fine. You look like you're going to say something. But uh, anyways, I wanted to mention... Packers and Lions, of course, have two matchups, but this is a little bit different than than what we talked about with the Bears and Vikings, who played really early and then really late on the schedule. Uh, The Packers don't face the Lions until week nine, and that's going to be Green Bay at Detroit on Sunday, November 6th. That's a noon central time kickoff. And then they play again to finish up the season, week 18, Detroit at Green Bay. Uh, So Lambeau Field on January 8th, kickoff to be determined. I don't know what that's that's all about, but uh, we will find out when we get closer if that game matters or not, uh, and that will probably determine when it is played. So uh, that should be cold and fun. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You my Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a five-star rating if you like what you're doing. You can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. And next week, we'll be back breaking down more of the Packers' 2022 opponents. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember. Go, pack, go.